Welcome back, pod people. Today's guest is John Carpenter, who's one of my oldest friends, and we've watched hundreds of horror movies together. And uh, no, not that John Carpenter that you're thinking of, but a different one. Um, <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, and indeed, I don't think I have any uh, of the other John Carpenter's movies on my list today. Um, but I do have movies that I've seen with you, I believe. And so today's episode is about the best kills that we've seen in any horror movies, where best is deliberately uh, left undefined so that you can come up with your own definition of it and we can use different definitions for different movies. But these are the uh, ones that really sh stuck with me the most and I thought were the most awesome or interesting or influential. Uh, and so we've each come up with a list. I don't think we had a specific number of ones that we were aiming for. Um, how many did uh, you come up with, John? I thought it was John? top 10 things, so I did 10. Oh, all right. I did eight. <laughs> so um, let's go through these in chronological order. Neither of us knows what the other one's list is yet. I'm looking forward to hearing what you thought were the best kills. My first one is from Peeping Tom in 1961. Uh, have you seen that one, so. John? This is the arguably the first slasher movie ever. It's the first one. Of, it's the first movie about a serial killer where the uh, they kill with like a knife, and the camera is from their point of view uh, at several points in the movie, and the killing that I think is particularly excellent and the super like the special weapon that the killer uses is he's a photographer and he puts his camera on the tripod and a thing that people would do back then is uh, fold the tripod up and use it as sort of like a shoulder mount to carry the camera so he does that and then pulls the tip off of one of the legs of the tripod revealing that there's a knife underneath it and then he records his victim as he stabs them with his tripod. <laughs> so you get like, not just from his point of view, but from like the weapons point of view. Yeah. And because all of these start out as like legitimate photo shoots, because he's a professional photographer, you get this great like first person point of view watching the actor who plays the lady that he stabs, realizing that he's actually going to stab her. And as in, and this isn't just like a thing he's doing to get an emotional reaction as part of the photo shoot. Uh, it's really affecting and really cool. Oh, is the killer's name actually Tom? Uh, oh my god, I don't even remember. How can I not remember that? I mean, it's also your name. It's true. That is my name. Um, it's okay. Yeah. Not important. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. Um, my second movie is from 1971. Anything between those? Nope. All right. Uh, my second movie is the 1971 Bay of Blood, also released later on under the much more awesome name Twitch of the Death Nerve. <laughs> um, and this is actually, this is an Italian giallo film, and I'm not actually a huge fan of the film in general, but there's one kill in it that I think is really neat. And uh, interestingly enough, was recreated later in one of the Friday the 13th films 
but without anyone involved in the recreation realizing that they were doing the same kill again from an oh. earlier movie. It was not a deliberate homage. It was just a coincidence. And right. what it is, is two people are in bed having sex in the missionary position, and the killer comes up behind them and stabs them with a spear that goes all the way through both of them and the bed. Ha! Classic. And I can remember the... Um the the kill that you said was a not so deliberate copy of it yeah the the thing that i think is most amusing about this kill is that like if you watch it with the sound on it's obvious like they're having sex and then spear impalement happens and then they're like making pained noises and writhing in agony and they can't escape and then they die but if you watch it with it muted it just looks like they're having sex the whole time them like writhing around while pinned to each other looks like they're just continuing to <laughs> writhe around and have sex. This is pretty funny because even though you, you've done the first two movies, there are two movies on my list that mirror both of these um, very well. Oh, um, that's cool. in, yeah, um, and uh, I'll, I'll explain that later when I when I get to them. But um, one thing you've said about each of those two kills um, mirrors something on my list. Oh, neat! I'm really looking forward to that. Um, my next one is in 1974. Jeez. See, this is a difference between your taste and my taste is that you tend to like <laughs> the older movies and I tend to like the newer ones. And I, yeah. some people would say that makes you more of a fan and some people like <laughs> me would uh, disagree with that. Nonsense. Yeah. But anyway, I guess you're doing the first half and I'm doing the second half. So no, um, go, <laughs> go for it. All right. So uh, my next one is from the movie Gator Bait, which came out in 1974, which... A uh, Gator Bait is a very similar movie to I Spit on Your Grave, except uh, not as good, in my opinion. But it does have one much more like brutal kill in it. In in general, the kills in it are much more brutal than in I Spit on Your Grave. Um, the other, it's the other stuff in I Spit on Your Grave that's brutal. Is it another um, revenge movie? Is that yeah, why you compared it, it? It's a rape revenge movie set in like the Florida Everglades, which bo like oh. both of those movies are like that. Right. Um, except this is set like deeper in the swamp. And the other, like the big difference is that instead of just one woman who's the central character and is the only person who is raped and the only person who takes revenge, there's actually a whole cast of female characters in this. And like most of them are raped, several of them are killed and the other ones take revenge. Mm. Um, and one of the ones uh, who gets killed gets killed in a way that I've had like uh, intrusive thoughts as like imagining like ooh that would be a really horrible way to die uh, but I've never seen in a movie before and then surprise happened all the way back in 1974 which is that one of the rapists rapes her with a shotgun and then pulls the trigger oh my god that's yeah. intense yeah um, so, uh, I'd say a solid B movie, like, uh, as opposed to the even better, like noticeably better, I spit on your grave, still worth it. If you want some like visceral revenge against terrible people. <laughs> yeah. No, movies like that can be cathartic, um, in lots of ways, as far as just the violence or bad people getting what they deserve. And, uh, yeah. Pure yeah. fa family entertainment, question mark. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that character gets his dick shot off later on. 
<laughs> it's like a little afterward asterisk, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Um, so my next movie after that is from 1980. Hey, I get a turn. Yeah, go for so, it. So in 1978, this little, not very well-known movie by a guy with a pretty terrible name came out. That movie was called Halloween, directed by Mr. John Carpenter. <laughs> and the kill that I chose is the very first kill that starts it all. That is Michael Myers killing his sister, Judith Myers. The reason that I bring that up is that it is also, similarly to what you were saying in Peeping Tom, a um, point of view. Like you see Michael go up the stairs with a knife into Judith's room. And not only are you seeing it from his point of view, but he's wearing a mask. So you're seeing it through the eye holes of his mask, making it look like you're actually you know, there as the killer. And you know, there's nothing particularly fancy about the, the kill itself, but putting the audience in the protagonist's, um, well, not not the protagonist, but in the the killer's shoes, and having like connecting them to the killer, I think is what made this series so so popular because there were so many other similar movies to come out at the time that no one remembers or anything. But Michael Myers, like everyone remembers Michael Myers because it's about him and it's about his origin, and that's what what put him on the map. And then afterwards. Um, he's just this kid in this derpy looking clown outfit outside of his house with this like thousand mile stare. Um, like he's so, you know, divorced from reality and, and what he did. And that sort of establishes the character that he's this other figure um, who's, you know, haunting Haddonfield and, and it goes after everyone else later. But um it's this this you know framing device for the whole the whole series and and like the whole genre of slasher movies today yeah that's a good choice thank that's you a really good choice uh really uh influential for sure i had to put my name on there somewhere <laughs> um sweet my next one is from 1980 go for it all right, mine is from the Italian slasher film uh, Anthropophagus. Cool which, name. Yeah, the, those of which some people pronounce Anthropophagus, but that's weird in my opinion. <laughs> I like the first pronunciation. Uh, the So Anthropophagus, for any of our listeners who are not as immediately recognizing the etymology there, means man-eater, and it is about a cannibal who lives alone on an island and some tourists go to the island and the cannibal eats them. And there are two really famous uh, deaths in this movie, two really famous kills. And I'm, I'm, I'll describe both of them, but I'm only picking the second one because I think the special effects weren't quite good enough on the first one to really sell it. But it is still a pretty brutal idea, which is uh, one, of the one of the tourists um, is pregnant. And the man-eater uh, kills and eats both her and her baby. Um, but the special effects of him, like, cutting the baby out of her and eating the baby, it's, like, obviously not a baby. Uh, it's um, in, actually, I believe it's a, a rabbit. Like, they used a rabbit in the scene. Um, they didn't use a real baby? No, or like, uh, you know, a doll <laughs> or anything like that's that. It's funny, you, you describing that makes me think of the tasty Japanese dish, the oyakudan, the 
a mother and child bowl where it's chicken and egg over rice. Mm, yeah. Kind of kind of macabre, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah. But the the kill that I actually want to take from this movie that I think is even better than that one is when they kill the anthropophagus himself, which the the final girl um gets the knife and like stabs him and guts him and he's standing there dying of that and is like his guts are falling out of his abdomen and then he starts to eat his own guts weird as as he dies and that image is just whoa really surprising like the movie had been okay to pretty good up until that point and then i saw that scene and i was just whoa that's one of the craziest deaths i've ever seen that's impressive what's the the food version of don't get high from your own supply <laughs> like <laughs> Yeah, wow. That's that, I wonder what possessed him to do that. I guess the last meal of sorts. Yeah. He's he's dedicated to man eating. <laughs> yeah, sure. A, a regular gourmand. Um <laughs> did they did they um make up a place for that or did they use like an actual island name or uh they used an actual uh, if I recall correctly, they said this is this. We're going to go to this Greek island, but they actually filmed it on an Italian island, um, mm. but set it in Greece. The, the Italians love to film things in Italy, but set them in other places for some reason. Uh, yes, which I don't understand a whole lot, but okay. Um, my next Whoa. one is in 1988. Hey, 87, I win. All right, so. In addition to the series of Halloween, there are other slasher movie series. Um, notably, and one of my favorites, is the Nightmare on Elm Street series. Uh -huh. And um, all the movies are fantastic in their own different ways. And sometimes you have to stretch the word fantastic a little bit. But my favorite of the they, series... I'd say they're all very clearly, explicitly fantastic. Because fantastic means like a you know, a fantasy and imagine it, it. It's like your imagination or a dream, which I think all of them <laughs> really are. So when Thomas was a kid, he was on this show called smartest kids in America or something. <laughs> and uh, that's, that's one of the smartest kids in America folks. Um, <laughs> the many fantastic nightmare on Elm street movies um, is uh dream warriors nightmare on Elm street three, where uh, um, the different, Victim slash protagonists um, in the dream world get little superpowers that they invent to fight Freddy Krueger and hopefully win. And my favorite of those characters is uh, Will Stanton is his name, um, the Wizard Master. He is the nerd insert character, and when he is not in the dream world, he's actually um, in a wheelchair, um, and that's a whole thing for him. He doesn't like being in the wheelchair, and so one of his powers, he can walk around, but he's also the wizard master and can cast magic and, with the power of dungeons and dragons or whatever. Um, he looks <laughs> kind of like a cross between Doctor Strange and a stage magician, very hokey costume, but he... Um, He's confronted by Freddy Krueger, 
and Freddy's like, you know, when you wake up, it's back to the chair with you, and you'll you'll still you, you won't be able to walk anymore. And he's preying on his insecurities, and sure enough, this like really gnarly looking wheelchair comes out with blades on it that are rotating, and all these knives and things. And um, Will freaks out and falls over, and kind of comes to his senses and he's like no but right now i'm the wizard master and he rises up and there's green lightning around him and he shoots freddy with a lightning and freddy like looks all surprised and he's like oh no and like will's like yes and then he runs into melee with freddy krueger for some reason and he's shooting the lightning and everything and then freddy krueger just kind of smirks at him and he's like sorry kid i don't believe in fairy tales and stabs him and kills him <laughs> it was this oh, great like subversion of tropes and that's going to be a theme in a lot of mine mine that i i choose is like he's built up to be this badass and this like version of the viewer because the chances are the viewer is also some kind of nerd and you really <laughs> want to relate to him and then he's just killed really easily by freddy krueger and you're like <laughs> back to the hopelessness of this movie um and it stuck with me for it's it's the most memorable kill in that whole franchise for me at least. Yeah, the yeah, that's a really good one, and I do like how personal the kills are in the Friday the Thirteenth, not Friday the Thirteenth, Nightmare on Elm Street. The completely the opposite of Friday the Thirteenth, where it's all just like, what do I have nearby that I can stab or bludgeon you to death with? Exactly. Yeah. No, he tailors it to them, and uh, it's all about like the you know, psychological manipulation in the dream world. So good stuff. Uh -huh. My next two top kills are both from 1988. Um, and then I don't have any in the 90s where I'm guessing you're going to have more than one. No, surprisingly, my next one isn't until 2001. Oh, wow. All right. Well, my two from 1988 are uh, the uh, first one is from a movie that John and I watched together that John had to nope out of partway through. So we've seen this scene is in fact the one that made John nope out of it. It's uh, the movie is The Men Behind the Sun, which is a sort of oh, fictionalized Jesus. recreation of the Unit 731's war crimes during World War II, which is a real life, uh, like real, real group of people who committed these terrible things. And this is them, re you know, recreating that. Um, and the thing that they're doing in the scene is they take a small child and vivisect him, which means, which is like dissecting, but they're alive. Uh, they give the child some sort of, maybe it's anesthesia, maybe it just knocks him out, uh, and then just cut him apart very met methodically. Um, and the thing that's craziest and most affecting of, about this scene is um, the way it was filmed is that the uh, filmmakers got in contact with all of the uh, morgues around in the city around them and said, hey, if at any point during the next few months uh, you have to do an autopsy on a kid who like fits this physical description, can we record it? And they said yes, and they and it happened, and that's what it is. So the kid is dead in the scene, but it's a real body. Um, wow! So it's 
and and knowing that it's recreating this real thing made it like I'd say the most affecting death scene I've ever seen in in fiction. Yeah, no, I'll I'll agree with you. And Thomas is right. I um, as he put it, noped out of the movie because I'm all about fictional death and you know ridiculous people dying in ridiculous ways. But when it gets a little bit too real, um, to me, it's just not entertaining anymore. And it it makes me like more sad than entertained. And I just found myself being very sad during that movie. And so I yeah. um I couldn't I couldn't finish it. Yeah, I would not recommend it as an entertaining film. I would recommend it as a very powerful film. Um if if you're I've seen I've seen really emotionally powerful movies about uh the nazis i've never this is the only one i've ever seen about what the japanese did during world war ii and sometimes that kind of art can be good but it is not for everyone and it isn't very much not for every occasion <laughs> yeah i mean we we were watching it in our um bad movie night we started doing every saturday um when the pandemic hit and it was just the wrong time you know with our bowls of popcorn out we're gonna put in a movie let's watch this thing oh my god no and i forget what we had to watch after as a palate cleanser but it was some cartoon or something probably but I I, believe it was I, like yeah it was like barbie barbie mermaid magic or something <laughs> there you go so watch barbie mermaid magic that's actually later on my list as a kid <laughs> <laughs> yeah the second movie from 1988 that I wanted to nominate a scene from is uh, much less serious and much more silly and ridiculous. Um, it's The Blob, uh, the remake of The Blob. The original Blob is also great, but it doesn't have as incredibly gnarly a kill as this one, where like we've there's this guy who's this cool like sort of rebel teenager that we've basically been following as more or less the seeming protagonist of the movie, and then uh the blob which at this point in the movie is really relatively small um climbs up on like the ceiling above him in the police station as he's like you know trying to convince the police of things and and uh he's left alone in the interrogation room for like just just a minute and then they come back and the blob has like fallen on him and completely engulfed him and he's like reaches out towards the camera trying to stretch out of the blob but he can't, and then it just like pulls all his flesh off of his skeleton, uh, and it's super gnarly and gross and and really startling. That like, hey, we're we're not quite halfway through the movie, and we just killed the protagonist, uh, and uh, it's really good. It's a good movie. Both both versions. Does the are blob then turn to the camera and say, "Nothing can stop the blob." Not a different blob. <laughs> No, you're thinking of nothing can move nothing can the move blob. the blob. See, out at comic booking me, I get it. Okay. Well, <laughs> nothing can stop the juggernaut. <laughs> tomato, tomato. Right. Uh. So you said that your next one is. Oh wait, no. Before we start talking about the blob, I want to say one more thing about about the blob which is that I think they really missed an opportunity by not releasing another Blob movie in 2018 because the original was in 1958 and then they made a remake in 1988. And then 30 years after that, again, would be 2018. And one of the things that like 
they 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 defeat the blob in the original um by freezing it and then transporting it to the arctic and then the last exchange in it uh between the two main characters is um so did they kill it no i don't think it can be killed but it's been stopped as long as the arctic remains cold the blob will be contained or i'm you know probably getting the exact words but wrong we just but... established that nothing can stop the blob <laughs> <laughs> well no, no i'm saying like come on man with global warming and everything having a movie oh. come out 30 years later it's like hey the arctic is not cold anymore the blob is escaping huh <laughs> that's an interesting spin on it yeah yeah, I think I, doing like a straight sequel rather than another remake like that. It's it's cool that um they they stop it at least temporarily by freezing it and that shows up in uh in other media. I remember playing this game Zombies Ate My Neighbors for the SNES and there were the blob monsters and the only way you could stop them was freezing them with a fire extinguisher and then you could defeat them and maybe I I bet that that game has lots of little homages to to old horror. Yeah. yeah. Cool. You play that. I was actually just thinking about that game again recently. It's really oh, good. Oh yeah, that game's so fun. Um, my next one is from 2002. Not a single kill from the 90s made it. I have two from 2001. Now I get to do two in a row. All right. <laughs> so in 2001, um, my favorite horror movie that I watched, and the first really cool kill that I ever saw in my life in a horror movie, was in the movie 13 Ghosts. Oh. And the 13 Ghosts, I believe it was a remake. Um, I've never seen the original and don't know anything about the original, so forgive me for that. But um, they came up with this whole like mythology that they called like the Black Zodiac. And it's these 13 ghosts per the title. Um, and each one of them represents like a different archetype in their own little weird um ritual and each of the ghosts is imprisoned in this glass house that's filled with runes and each one of them is in their own special prison and they're there for their own reasons and this family with kids is living in the house for some reason um, and all the ghosts are there and they have cool names like the torn prince and the angry princess and the jackal which is the creepiest looking one and the juggernaut nothing can stop the juggernaut <laughs> um and um of course there's um this very odious uh lawyer guy um who is facilitating things and he wants to embezzle money from the family and he wants to steal this briefcase of money as it were um and so towards the end of the movie he uh he grabs a briefcase and the briefcase was on a lever the briefcase was trapped and um it, and he ends up letting out um, at least one of the ghosts. He lets out the the princess, the angry princess, and she's like this Bloody Mary looking lady and with a knife and lots of blood in her room and stuff. And so he flips out um, and starts running. And he runs down a hallway and she like teleport chases him all around. And the glass um, panels all around are shifting and dropping and opening and letting out other ghosts. And one of them just like slams down and cuts him in half lengthwise um and oh. he just he just like stands there for a second and doesn't move and then his front half slowly slides down while his back half stays up and you get Whoa. to see like the like 
the cross section, cross section of of this lawyer as he just like slumps down really slowly and leaves this like smear on the glass and it is so cool um that whole movie is really fun it has what's his face um who plays um uh, monk what's that actor's name you know tony Shalhoub. sure um plays monk um he's the dad in that but um yeah i mean Nothing beats seeing a, a lawyer cut in half lengthwise. <laughs> it also has uh, Matthew Lillard, who played Shaggy from Scooby-Doo. Oh, yeah. cool. A great movie. Right. Um, my other one from 2001, you know, so I have covered a Nightmare on Elm Street movie. Um, I have covered a Halloween movie. And so I wanted to put a Friday the 13th movie on here. And most Friday the 13th fans would agree that the absolute worst movie of the whole series is Jason X, Jason in Space. And that also has the kill from the entire franchise that stuck with me the most. And not only is it a complete nonsense entry on this list, but it's not even a real person who is dying because <laughs> this kill is so jason's you know running around the spaceship being jason and they get this idea we're going to trap him in a simulation the simulation is going to be a simulation of camp crystal lake because we're going to fuck with jason for some reason <laughs> um and so he sees you know crystal lake he sees the cabins um his iconic sounds start playing the like <sighs> and he's looking around and it feels like home and he's kind of freaking out and then suddenly these two female camp counselors pop out and they, they're like, hey, do you want some? And then one of them's like, should we all have pre? You cut out. You said you cut out. Oh, that, they're uh, like, hey, do, you um, want do you want some booze? Do you want some some pot? And then they're all like, do you want some premarital sex? And Jason's like, <laughs> I don't like any of this. And then it cuts to both of them have been stuffed in sleeping bags and he is beating one to death with the other one. Um, she's like beating one sleeping bag with another sleeping bag and i'm like that is so over the top bonkers and it's reminiscent of another kill i think it was like the seventh movie in the series where he he just does one you know slam on someone with a sleeping bag it's a lot less memorable but just the fact that you know you're beating one counselor with another counselor oh, um man. i i i always laugh when i see that it's, it's not visceral or bloody or creepy but it's just like this is what this movie is and it is entertaining and, and fun oh man that's a great one and pretty hilarious because it's really closely related to two that i considered putting on my list but didn't one one of which is the original one from seven where he's hits the there's the girl in the sleeping bag and he hits it against the tree mm -hmm. um and the other one was also from jason x uh with the where uh the first kill that he does after he wakes up in the future where there's a scientist right next who's working right next to a giant open vat of liquid nitrogen for some reason and he goes over and dunks the scientist's head in the liquid nitrogen freezing it pulls it out and then shatters it against the desk I was oh. looking at some other top 10 lists and that one appears on the top 10 lists a lot. Um, I was uh, kind of looking for inspiration. <laughs> I, I didn't copy any of the other ones, um, but yeah, that one I was surprised because Jason X is like the, you know, the silly movie of the series, but yeah, that kill is badass. I agree. Uh, yeah. I'm also going to disagree with you on that. Jason X is the worst one. I think Jason goes to hell is worse. 
Yeah, maybe. I mean, if you add in space to a movie, you may as well add jumps the shark to the movie. Like, <laughs> Leprechaun in space? Come on now. Yeah. I still haven't seen the Hellraiser in space. <laughs> Nor have I, but I'm sure it's probably called Event Horizon. Oh, no. <laughs> no that one's actually good. There's another, there's a Hellraiser brand movie oh, in space. I, I believe it. I do. Yeah. Um, so many Hellraiser movies. I've only seen a few of them. You're um, up next. My next one's from 2002. This is from a movie where the actual movie itself is pretty boring and I don't like it, but the opening scene is amazing. It's uh, much like Jason Goes to Hell. The opening scene of Jason Goes to Hell is fantastic, and then the rest of the movie's not very great. Um, and this movie is Ghost Ship. And yeah, I know what, what you're talking about. Yeah, so this is a this is a famous scene that you can easily find on YouTube. Uh, probably any of these on YouTube. Um, a wire. There's a bunch of people on a ship who are like having a party uh, out on the deck of the ship. It's a cruise ship or something, and the there's a a wire that's for some reason hooked in a way it's not supposed to be. Where it's supposed to be at one end of the ship, but it's been pulled back to the other. And so we see people dancing and we see the machinery that's holding the wire start to break. And it cuts back between the two in ways that really builds up the tension very effectively. And then suddenly all of the tension in the wire is released and the wire rapidly moves at chest height from one end of the deck to the other and cuts everyone in half, except for a little girl who's too short. And so it goes over her head. And so we see all of these people just stop moving and then like realize what's happened and then fall in half. And it's really horrifying and well done and effective. And, and then the, the special terror, not just of seeing that happen to a bunch of people, but then of the little girl who's still alive at the end of it is... It's pretty cool. Now, I don't remember um, what caused the wire to snap. Was it just faulty wiring or was the ship like haunted then or just haunted later? I, I think it was I think it was just like mechanical user error. And then uh, that is what caused the ship to be haunted. As Lisa was asking me that the other day, like she's like, so what causes this wire thing to happen? Is it a ghost? Is it a murderer? Is it? just a mechanical failure i'm like i don't remember that movie sucks but the the, <laughs> the opening the opening scene is great but the rest of it is bad so yeah but no good good call with that the wire yeah um, it's a, a cool it's a it's a mass death which you don't yeah. see a lot in in horror movies really it's usually like a one-on-one -on -one kind of thing yeah that's a good point um my next one is not until 2016 and that's my last one. Oh wow okay i get to do a bunch in a row i guess yeah. um so in 2005 a movie that i believe is part of a trilogy now came out called feast i got this movie in the bargain bin at blockbuster video back when that was still a thing and the premise of the movie is that characters are trapped in a bar um besieged by some kind of monsters and they're trying to live um, and not be feasted upon by the monsters that are besieging the bar. And 
So everyone's kind of, you know, wondering what to do. They're all scared. And this guy comes in and he looks just like Ash from Evil Dead. And and I, I wrote down exactly what, what he says. He's like, listen to me. A storm of hell is coming down on this place any second. I don't know what they are. I don't know where they came from. All I know is that these fuckers are fast, nasty, and hungry. And there's four of them. They got claws like Gitch Chainsaw. Oh, you cut out you they got claws like Kinsey knives and more teeth than a chainsaw. They're coming right now. So we got to lock down this bar. That means the doors, the windows, the drains, the zippers. And we got to do it right now. You get on the phone, call the cops, the National Guard, townies, anyone who kicks ass and get him out here. Any questions? And the bartender's like, yeah, who the hell are you? And he's like, I'm the guy that's going to save your ass. And then he's pulled through a window and immediately killed. <laughs> and it is so great because dude looks like you know wish wish brand ash he comes in gives this badass statement i think it even like does a freeze frame of like his name and then life expectancy like pretty damn good or something and then he's immediately killed and so that's oh. that subversion of tropes again and later on a um a new hero emerges um who's a a woman and like in, in commando gear and then it, it says like life expectancy hopefully longer than the last hero <laughs> it's like um so that was great it, it stuck with me you know he gets pulled through the window and devoured and screams and everyone freaks out and it really sets the tone for the for the movie nice um next one is 2006 when did you Ooh. say yours was 2016 okay um let's see okay um 2006 so i'm all about the franchises as you can tell i don't know i think thomas mentioned you don't have any franchises on yours i have a bunch yeah. on mine uh, oh, count a lot of, yeah i guess that you know, remakes count as a franchise yeah, yeah i guess yeah, yeah sure sure one okay. i'm gonna do next is kind of a, is becoming a franchise oh good um well uh the final destination series um where the killer is death itself and the whole premise of the series is that people escape death somehow and death says ah, ah ah and kills each one later in various other ways final destination three everyone's on this roller coaster and um these two girls and i had to look up their names they are ashlyn and ashley um, <laughs> they go to a tanning salon and um, you know they do their their tanning bed thing. Um, which tanning beds are creepy, by the way. They they look like iridescent coffins. Like I don't know yeah. why people get in them, but um, they they you know turn up the temperature. They put on their ear pods and they start listening to the song Roller Coaster because of course um, it's all about the roller coaster. And then the beds latch shut. And the temperature starts turning up and up and up and up and up. And they start freaking out and like knocking on the the, the tops of the beds and they can't get out. Their skin starts melting. And these two, um, these two high school girls just start like disintegrating in this really gross way. And it's, it's, it's scary. And it's, it's, it, again, it's really memorable, like the effects of it. And, um, but, the other thing that I thought was cool is for some reason they decided to make an interactive DVD version of this movie. So yeah. if you have the interactive DVD version, you can pull out your DVD remote. And when they go to turn up the temperature, they're like, 
oh, should we turn it to 73 or 76, which is a completely arbitrary decision. And you as the viewer get to choose those three degrees of difference. And if you choose, um, I think if you choose 73, then the scene plays out as normal. If you choose 76, then Ashley gets out of her bed and it tries to save Ashley and grabs her and gets electrocuted and dies outside of the bed. So the, the death is a little bit different, and you as the viewer get to choose how oh, she dies. And I've, I've never seen that before, and I've never seen that since, because that technology didn't really pick up at all. <laughs> but I thought it was cool, like, sitting in my parents' living room and deciding how Ashlyn was, or Ashley, or whoever the hell was going to die. <laughs> makes that, me feel powerful. Yeah, that makes me curious, like, how many little things like that have been on DVDs that I've never found. Yeah. Final Destination 3. Check it out. Man. Um, and so I just noticed that exactly three of the movies on my list are the third movie from their franchise, which is oh. crazy. Um, also I'm in 2000... Halloween 3 Season of the Witch. Oh, Yeah. X more days till <laughs> Halloween, Silver Shamrock. Um, yeah. Saw 3, my favorite of the Saw series. I read an essay on it in college. Um, all came out in 2006. Most people know what the Saw series is about, but it's all about this guy named Jigsaw putting people in traps to get them to appreciate their life or become better people in their own sort of way. And Saw 3 is about this guy named Jeff, um, who's... Um, little son was run over by a drunk driver and um jigsaw instead of torturing jeff i mean he kind of tortures jeff in his own way um presents jeff with the different people that were either directly or indirectly involved in his son's um killing so a witness who didn't testify um hmm. a, a corrupt judge um various other people and jeff gets to make the choice not them whether he's going to forgive them and do something difficult um, or something that causes him physical pain, or if he's going to make them suffer and get that catharsis out of it, or if he's going to be the bigger person. And so the movie culminates around the person, the 26-year-old med medical student named Timothy, um, who was the drunk driver who killed Jeff's son. And he's in this device that they call the rack. And so Timothy, he's spread out like in a in a cross position. He and uh, each of his limbs, his arms and his legs, are attached to this thing. And um, all Jeff has to do to unlock him is get the key from um, a pedestal that's attached to a shotgun that will fire off um, if he takes the key. And so. If you're dumb and stand in front of it, it will shoot you. But if you stand to the side, it will allegedly be okay. And Jeff is like, I don't know if I want to. He's like, I don't know if I want to free this guy. This guy's a piece of shit. He killed my son. And as Jeff deliberates, the guy's left arm starts turning slowly, 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 slowly um, until it can't turn anymore. And it breaks. And once the left arm's done, his right arm starts turning. And Jeff starts to have this like thought of, Maybe I should forgive this guy. This is cruel and unusual punishment. Maybe I should free him. I don't know. And Jeff is with another person who he spared in a previous trap. And the guy's like, what are you doing, man? Like, free this guy. Like, it's not going to bring your kid back. 
And Jeff's like, yeah, yeah, maybe I should, maybe I should, and starts fumbling with a key. And Jeff is smart and stands to the side of the key. And the dude who's trying to convince him to save the guy, for whatever reason, stands in front of the gun and is killed by the gun. Um, oh and God. so Jeff is removing the key, and he's like, yeah, I guess I should maybe try and where should I put the key? I don't know. Meanwhile, both the guy's arms are broken. One of his legs is broken, and the other leg is like in the process of breaking and Jeff's like, all right, all right, I forgive you. Like, where do I put the key? And the guy's like, I don't know, just do something because the last thing that starts turning is the guy's neck. Ooh. And it's just like slow, like tick, 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 tick. And Jeff is not quick enough, but the last thing he does is forgive the guy before the guy's neck breaks in this device. And it's, uh, it's intense. It's, it's wow. the coolest saw kill in the entire franchise. I've seen the entire franchise so many times. Um, and um, it's great. Um, the the whole that that whole movie is fantastic, and um, that's the kind of the final encounter of the movie. Sure. Um. So my next one is in a franchise of two movies, so there is no third movie, so I couldn't choose the third one. Um, <laughs> is Hostel. This oh. is a series that I told Thomas about when he was going to go stay in hostels in Europe because I thought that would be helpful. Um, <laughs> in this movie, people go to stay in a hostel rich assholes who pay money and bidding wars on the dark web or whatever to be able to kill travelers in interesting, bizarre ways. Um, that is the premise. This poor girl named Lorna, um, who is like the geeky, nerdy one who's kind of a hanger-on on her crowd that like people don't really like her, but she wants to be liked, and she's kind of endearing and sweet. Um, she's, I think, one of the first ones to be kidnapped, and she's tied up, and this lady is in a bathtub, like Elizabeth Bathory style, and has a big, like, scythe, and starts hitting her in the back with a scythe, and, like, bathing in her blood, and eventually she takes, like, a sickle and cuts Beth's throat, and that scene just really stuck with me, because it's, like, this eccentric rich woman like literally bathing in the blood of the innocent the most innocent character in the the movie and probably the whole series and um i thought beth was gonna was or lorna um was gonna um was gonna live because she's you know the pure one is usually the one to get away but nope she died and um in the name of good hygiene i guess <laughs> <laughs> so that's that one from the Hostel series, and um, now it is your turn. Oh, all right. Uh, yeah, so my one is, this one's also from what I guess at this point is a franchise. Uh, it's from the 2016 film nice. Terrifier. Uh, and they're... There have been several things with either starring or with Art the Clown, either starring Art the Clown or with Art the Clown as a secondary character. Um, I've only seen two of them, which is the 2011 short entitled Terrifier and the 2016 movie entitled Terrifier. Um, and the in between those two movies, they changed actors who play Art. And now this the new guy who's playing him is also the guy who's going to play him in Terrifier 2. Uh, and this new guy is great. This new guy is really, really good at performing. I should look up this character, this this actor's name, but to give him credit. I was um, gonna ask his name, but didn't want to put you on the spot. <laughs> um
David Howard Thornton. Cool. Yeah. So in all incarnations, Art the Clown doesn't ever say anything or make any sounds. But in this incarnation, the actor like specifically uses the techniques of mime to portray the character and the motion and like shapes that he makes with the clown paint on his face uh, is all just really well done. And in particular, there are two scenes that are kind of similar in uh, in the two in the short and in the full length movie, uh, and the quality of the one in the full length movie is just head and shoulders above it. Um, and that kill is when he's kidnapped one of the like the two women has one of them tied to a chair, forced to watch, and the other one is uh, held upside down with her legs apart, and then he saws through her body uh going from groin to head and it's in in addition to like a, being a really horrifying way to die that's well shot and 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 makes it seem as horrifying as it should uh the actor really makes art look like he's you know struggling and forcing that saw through and the effort that it looks like he's putting in is horrifying like he's he's trying terrifying, so hard to do this terrible thing uh terrifying yes yes exactly <laughs> uh and in contrast there's a scene in the 2011 short where art kills a guy by sawing his head off um but there it just looks like the actor's moving the saw back and forth and not actually like trying to push down and cause right. the saw to go deeper um and so that just when i saw that in the 2011 short i was just like eh, whoever made that you know, the corpse prop did a pretty good makeup and stuff, did a pretty good job, but like art's not doing a whole lot for me. But in the the full movie, art's performance is really just like, I, I'd heard good things about it before I watched it, but I was like, eh, this is just going to be torture porn and nothing else. But then I, when I watched it, I was like, wow, it's torture porn and a really good portrayal of this terrible character, terrifying character, uh, which... Uh, ha really has made it. Yeah, um, I've been waiting idea. for the sequel to come out since forever. It feels like I'm. I, I think it's supposed to come out this year, but I'm. It's great. I <laughs> I saw a uh, like a Watch Mojo or one of those like listicle videos about um, they try and like pit villain horror movie characters against each other to see which one is stronger, and for whatever reason they paired Art the Clown versus Pennywise. Which just seems unfair. <laughs> well, uh, you mean because Pennywise has superpowers? Yeah, they're like Art the Clown sort of has superpowers because he can like teleport and like yeah, he does kind of appear in random places. But um, like I don't know, Pennywise is like an immortal demon, and like Art the Clown just doesn't really have a backstory, so he could be anything. Yeah, and the the one thing that's really convinced me that Art is at least going forward, definitely intended to be supernatural is that there's a scene after the credits in Terrifier where uh, Art's in the morgue, dead, like they verified that he's dead, and then he sits up. And Oh, yeah, I remember that, yeah. And so it looks like they're going the uh, Jason Voorhees route where at first it's ambiguous, but as it goes on, it's like, yeah, this guy is magic in some way. 
Cool. Yeah. Uh, hopefully the movie it's in theaters. I'd be curious to see it. Yeah. Did you say this was, was that your last one? It's my last one. Oh, okay. Um, well, I have two more. Um, and this is not my last movie, but it is last in the title and it is called the last matinee. Um, oh. it's, on, it's on shutter. Um, you should see it. Um, it's other title I found out is called red screening. Um, and it is a Spanish slasher movie that takes place entirely in a movie theater where the characters are actually watching a real movie. And I, I was reading a, an article on this um, the other day. Um, they're watching the movie Frankenstein Day of the Beast, which was directed by this guy named Ricardo Islas, who plays the killer in this movie. Oh, cool. <laughs> which is so awesome. And even more awesome, the killer's canonical name is, and I'm going to butcher the pronunciation of this because I don't speak Spanish very well, um, I see no come ojos, eye-eating killer. His whole deal is that he has this like jar of eyes that he eats, and every time he kills somebody, he takes their eyes and eats them. This movie is so much fun. Um, and my favorite kill, um, one of my many favorite kills from this movie is um, these two characters in the movie theater, like they're not really watching the movie. And it's this like one guy who thinks he's a ladies man approaches this woman who got stood up for a date and is flirting with her. And it's uh, this you know straight out of like a, a, a romantic comedy kind of thing. And you kind of almost forget what genre the movie is because they just keep, you know, being flirty and all that stuff. And um, the killer though, eye eater comes up from behind one of them and drives this like metal spike um in the back of one of their heads and because the two characters are making out um it goes straight through the other one very similar to what you were talking about oh. with the two characters having sex where it's like a two for the price of one deal and oh, man. It is, I, I, it's out of nowhere. I did not expect it. So spoilers, I guess. Um, but um, no, then um, the people's friends are in that theater. Like a bunch of people are in the theater and nobody sees it. And the friends just like look down afterwards. And they're like, man, they sure are going at it. They're like making out. They've been making out for like 10 minutes. Like we should go tell them like that to stop that we could see them like what's going on so they're like it's like in plain sight kind of thing and then eventually they're like oh shit they're dead <laughs> like, there's a spike there and um so it's um it's great the, the movie is so much fun and i was reading reviews on it that um there's apparently lots of nods to other horror movies and slasher movies and things um as far as camera angles and cameos and movie posters. And so it's, it's a horror movie for horror movie fans. And oh. I, um, I, I really strongly recommend it. It's, it's great. I, all right. I'm definitely going to give that one a watch. And I'm really curious if they're going to slip in uh, any references to Demoni, um, which is what this, your description reminded me of so much. Demoni is also a really fun European movie set in a movie theater. Um, where it's an Italian movie where uh, they're not watching an already existing movie on the screen. Instead, they're like watching a, a fictional movie where um, in the movie, they start, uh, people start turning into demons and then the movie causes the people in the audience to start turning into demons. Oh, I've seen that. Yeah. 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 
I, I, re- I thought I remembered it being called something else. Maybe it was translated to like oh. Day of the Demons or something. I don't know. Yeah, I'm sure it's been released under a bunch of titles. I have one more movie. Came out last year in 2021. Pretty new. Um, surprisingly good. It was the Fear Street movie. Oh, yeah. Um, all of those movies. They, yeah, they were great. Um, based on the uh, R.L. Stein's other series, not Goosebumps, Fear Street, for folks who want to know. But basically, the premise of the movie is uh, there's this town called Shady Side, and every X amount of years, someone goes cr- goes crazy and becomes a killer until they are killed, and then rinse and repeat. Um, and so these kids, um, with the power of being kids, are fighting against all the killers and trying to solve the mystery. And the movie does a great job of making the kids all really likable and resourceful and interesting and have personalities. And um, one of them um, is this girl named Kate, who's really like resourceful and plucky and uh, you want to root for her, and she's fighting a killer who's, like, dude in a skeleton mask, and so you're like, all right, one has a name, one doesn't, and she's, like, a protagonist, and, oh, no, he has her on the ropes, he has her on this, like, conveyor belt thing, and what's on the other side of the conveyor belt? It's this, like, bread slicer machine. Oh, she's getting closer, like, who's gonna save her? What's gonna happen? What's gonna happen? Into the bread slicer she goes, and her head just gets all sliced up by this bread slicer machine and it is so much gorier than i thought they would include in a movie like that and she's killed like right there and i was i was like my first thought was that's not supposed to happen and my second thought was i'm so glad that happened because it was so cool but, <laughs> <laughs> um you know poor kate uh but she she died for our for our amusement i guess um and um it was it was um the the best new slasher movie I have seen I think um other than I guess you know the last matinee came out in 2020 so that's pretty new too but um it was it was great the whole series Netflix yeah yeah and that's it yeah well that was pretty great I liked how there were some parallels between our different entries but no overlap yeah no for sure um i think um we focused on different types of things and they were all like you said you know the ambiguity of the word best and how you define it you know there was no internal consistency or external consistency for that definition and that's that's good you know some of them were funny some of them were artsy some of them were influential some of them were gory and um it just shows how how awesome the the genre can be that um, you can have lots of different types of death, some, you know, realistic and scary in that way, and some hilariously comical and and everything in between. Um, but yeah, thank you for having me as a guest on your, your show. <laughs> You're welcome. Thank you for coming on. I had a great time. And yeah, that was a good analysis of the genre and the possibilities of death on film cool well until next time till next time